So, Mr. Coons, Jason, tell us uh, a little bit about what you do now, what your position is at Sweetwater, your title and everything. Yeah, sure. Uh, at the moment, I'm vice president of sales, um, though that's a new thing for me. Um, previous to that, uh, really the whole last year, I was the director of uh, sales growth and development, which is a fancy way of saying that I was coaching the, um, the up-and-comers and the folks that are looking for that extra, that extra rung that they just can't seem to get to. Cool. They plateau. Cool. They're looking to break through those those barriers, and that's awesome. what I've been spending my days doing. What size sales force is that? How many people are inside of that sales force? At the moment, we have 632, I believe, okay. at last count. And Sweetwater's billion and a half? Uh, 1.643 last year. So you're in charge of pushing those guys up to the next level in a $1.6 billion tech company. There you go. You Fair got enough. It. Yep. Awesome. And that's just the sales engineers. And then yep. we've got about uh, about 850 people in the sales floor total, including account coordinators and um, CSRs, uh, customer service reps, and uh, just everything that makes it all work. So let's start. Where'd you grow up? How'd you get into music? You know, what led you down the sales path? Um, uh, accidental down the sales path. Like I think most salespeople are. Very few of us grow up thinking, I want to be a salesperson when I when I become an adult. It's almost um, a dirty word. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it still is to a lot of folks. Um, yeah. Not to me, though. I embrace yeah. it and love it. Um, let's see. I grew up in Pennsylvania, South Central PA, a little town called Dover, uh, which is not too far from Harrisburg. Most people know it for Three Mile Island and all of the uh, the meltdown stuff there, yeah. <laughs> 79. Um, in fact, I'm a, I'm a what they call a TMI baby uh, because I was in the womb when that whole thing happened, so lots of testing. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I grew up a musician. My dad yeah. was a musician um, and just picked most things up by ear. I knew I wanted to work in the music industry somehow. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to school for recording engineering okay. outside of high school um, and then worked my way into a studio in New Jersey for a little bit. Really? What, what studio in New Jersey? Troposphere Studios. Where was that? Livingston. Livingston, okay. Yeah. Um, but all throughout that time where I really made my money, including through school and, um, and frankly, while I was interning at that studio, yeah, was yeah. tattooing, as yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and so I did that for a while. Um, oh, gosh, probably since I was 16 until I was 25 or so. But uh, when I was 20 years old, uh, my now wife and I were high school sweethearts. We met uh, when I was 15 and she was 14. Uh, we just made the decision we wanted to move away from... Yeah from home right yeah um we had no real reason for it there's nothing bad going on there i think yep. we just kind of wanted to start the adventure and uh i was looking for something in the studio world i found sweetwater online i had no idea who sweetwater was i saw their a room at the time which had a, a really nice um euphonics console in yeah, there yeah, yeah. and i'm like oh there that's where i want to work it's across the country in indiana wherever that is yeah, yeah. um and so uh perfect so i applied um, but they weren't hiring for the studio. They were hiring interns um, in the sales team. So Chet running the studio, and um, but I didn't know any of that stuff. Okay. I just figured uh, if I could get my foot in the door at this company, um, it, whatever sales was, uh, yeah. then because uh, I had no idea, and uh, then I'll just do my thing. I'll talk to the right people. Yeah. I'll make the right friends, and I'll move my way over to the studio. And so uh, that's what I did. I moved out to Indiana, which was not across the country. Yeah. Turned out it was only one state away. Uh, <laughs> that was my biggest disappointment. Um, and, uh, and I got into the sales program, which 
back then at Sweetwater, mm -hmm. uh, to become a sales engineer, you had to go through an internship program first. Really? So like these days we have that big 13 week Sweetwater University program that we put people through quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, back then it was basically learn on the job huh. um, for a year-ish and then you could start to test into the sales engineer program. So I would guess, you know, uh, being tattooed myself and just knowing my tattoo artist and I mean, all the art on my walls are actually prints from my tattoo artists and stuff. Um, I would guess that that kind of helped you like, um, you know, just with communicating with people and listening, yeah. you know, listening is such a big part of sales. Uh, how did the tattooing play into that? Well, that for sure. Yeah. I mean, with tattooing, as you know, you're stuck in a chair with somebody yeah. for potentially lots of hours yeah. at a time. You don't really know that person in most cases. And yeah. so um, it, it really helps you build the skill of developing conversations and, yeah. and pulling on threads to learn more about people just to, I mean, frankly, to pass the time. Yeah. But you also learn that most people getting tattooed for something are really interesting people. They have yeah. interesting things to say. There's usually something interesting about the tattoo they're getting or the ones they yeah. have. Um, so I think that helped. Um, it also helped in just the negotiation process. You yeah. know, when I would get to a point where I wasn't just doing flash off the wall mm -hmm. and people wanted me to, to, to work up artwork for them. Yeah. Um, some of that is finding middle ground to, yeah. from what you know as an artist is going to work well and, mm -hmm. and what they have in their mind that may not. Totally. Um, and so I think that helped. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I waited tables as a kid too, so yeah. I mean, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, like I, I never put any real thought into actual like professional sales. So you got to Sweetwater and outside of tattooing, which no one on the outside would consider being a tattoo shop owner or, or whatever is sales. It's sales 100%. It's absolutely sales. Even in the most like artsy tattoo shop, you're still paying for it. Yeah. And you're, and there's still a price that they give you, you know, and, uh, there is, there's a compromise on, I want 13 arrows to signify my 13 kit and everything. And you're like, can we make them double-sided arrows? Because there's not right. enough room, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. I'm or, going back to New Jersey in a week and I'm right now I'm emailing back and forth with my tattoo artist. So there you go. Actually, he hasn't emailed me back. <laughs> He's still but, trying to yeah, think of how to make those yeah, arrows. Totally. <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's so funny the things that in life prepare you for sales and um, you just don't realize it when they're happening. That's know? right. And then, um, you know, the inverse of that is sales prepares you for like everything else in life. Yeah, it's like everything else is easier. It really is. Yeah. Like everything you touch, if you if you really uh, hone that, that craft, yeah. it, it just comes into play. And it does it without you thinking about it. Totally. So when you started at Sweetwater, you started in the in the intern program, it sounds like. Yeah. And then was there a Sweetwater University or did you just kind of get thrown into like a team interaction situation? Uh, Sweetwater University was coined. There was okay. a phrase for that. What okay. it really was, was one night after work. I think it was like <laughs> Tuesday nights, we'd get pizza and sit down in the Blue Diamond Lounge there you in go. the basement there, and we would learn something. Really? About Pro Tools or about consoles or whatever. And it was fun. It was more like a just kind of hangout type of thing after yeah. work. But it took a year to get through all that stuff. Uh, and if I'm honest, and I would say this with even yeah. the current program, like you really learn so much more when you're just in the fire. Yeah. Um, and the, that program, if it doesn't scale, um, yeah. you know, we can't do that at the size that we are, but I'm still convinced that it was the better approach, yeah. uh, overall, because I, 
I guess it depends on who you're working with. I yeah. happen to be working with a really successful person. Was it Nika? It was, yeah. Okay. And at that time, and really up until the point where he left, he was our number one guy for yeah, yeah. quite some time. I was young. I was impressionable. I didn't yeah. know who I really was, certainly professionally, probably yeah. not even personally. Uh, I don't know that I had developed um, all of my personality yet, or yeah, yeah. I certainly hadn't developed my sales personality. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was very easy for me to just kind of latch on to somebody that I could, I could watch what they're doing. Yeah. I could watch what everybody else was doing and not getting the same results as him. And then I could, I, I'll just say it, I could mimic it. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what I did for the first year. Yeah. And then, uh, as I got out of my own and did the sales yeah. thing on my own, I just kind of adapted those things to what felt more natural. I, I yeah. came more into alignment of who I am so funny because my first real sales job was just a uh, retail local store, right? Yeah. And I grew up going there, the drum set right there. I got in sixth grade <laughs> from them. Seriously, I've recovered it twice. And I went to work for them. I was in a band. And one of the best pieces of advice that I was given about sales was act like you're almost drunk. You know what I mean? And it's like, just you're just on that. You're just letting go a little bit, you yeah. know? And when I was given that advice, it kind of sounds like what you're saying is you started to come into your own and let those inhibitions down. And sales isn't a dirty word. Right. Like it's okay because ultimately if you do your job right, the person you're serving is happy. Absolutely. You know? And happier that you're involved than yeah. had you not been. Yeah. Uh, I've had, uh, and I'm sure all salespeople have had these, but when you're in sales, you're really finely tuned to salesmanship in general. Yeah. And so, you know, we buy things too. Yeah, and um, when you have like those just really amazing experiences that hit you out of nowhere, yeah. it's like, okay, that, whatever that feeling was that mm -hmm. he gave me or she gave me, I need to figure out how to do that in, in my role yeah. for customers. And I built a lot of my chops that way, like yeah. just by buying things and recognizing Absolutely. when good stuff happened and when bad stuff happened. So when you started, um, was it right away hitting the phones, like when you were kind of on the sales floor, just... 100 calls a day, 150 calls a day, or did you did you ease into it? Was it like how did how did that all come yeah. about? For me it really was out of the gate. Okay. Um, a lot of that was because of that internship program. Yeah. Nico was that guy. Okay. He would do 80, 100 calls a day. Um, and so for me it was just normal then. It, it it didn't feel like a stretch thing. I had no previous sales experience, so I had nothing I was coming from that mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm expected to do so much more. So it um it was just natural. It didn't, yeah. it never throughout my whole career, I never focused on how many phone calls I was making. You were just doing the most you could do. I was just doing the most I could do to take care yeah. of who I had. Um, yeah. However, there was a time and it was pretty early in my career. Um, I was starting to hit a stride and uh, I had made the decision that Nika had made many years earlier and mm -hmm. he was actually gone at this point. And the decision was, uh, I'm not going to take any new clients. Uh, I felt like I hadn't made it to that point, right? So it's like, all right, I've got this book of business and I'm like the accountant or the lawyer that doesn't have to, like, I'm not taking new patients mm -hmm. right now. Um, Source of pride. Yeah, kind of was, yeah, I yeah. think. Yeah. Uh, and I remember going out to lunch with, um, it was with Brian Loney, um, another sales engineer yep. there, very successful one. And uh, I don't know how we got on the, the topic, but we got on that topic and he said, oh, you can't do that. And I said, well, why not? Nika did that and mm -hmm. uh, Kenny did that. And like all these people that I yeah. looked up to did it. He said, well, sure, but every day you've got people leaving your book of business and you just don't know about it. Uh, and then I remember he even gave me this uh, analogy of, um, 
he was really into uh, at that time, right yeah. then at that moment, he was really into riding mowers because he was shopping for a riding mower. Totally. So he knew everything about them. Um, but he said, the moment I buy that thing, I'm out of that market. Like I'm done. And that's happening in your business all the time. So you always have to be bringing in fresh blood. And if you have too many people, yeah, then you have to replace the ones that aren't as profitable, frankly. Yeah. yeah. It's that bubble effect, man. You know, where it's like you think everyone's thinking about guitars or whatever it is all the time because that's what you have to do for work. Yeah. But once that person buys that guitar, yeah, you're right. You might not hear from them for two or three years. Yeah. You know, but uh, the key is to, to, to get them locked in and get all their friends locked in and take care of all them and all that. Um, and I mean, when I think about all of the different passion yeah. things that I've had over the years, whatever it might be, mm -hmm. um, there are plenty of them that I give no second thought to anymore. Yeah, yeah. It was something that was exciting to me for a year or two. And, then, yeah. and that, that resonated. Yeah. Um, and you know, there are certain things, and I could say this with any personality in sales or in general, um, I've learned to take what I can resonate with, yeah. with people and the things that I can't just kind of yeah. let it go. And that doesn't devalue um, their value to me. Yeah. Um, and Loney is a great example of that. Yeah. Um, he, we have two very different business models, but we were both very successful. And so I could, uh, the things that weren't going to adapt for me, I just let them, let them go. But I always want to be learning. I yeah. mean, I always want to be um, moving, moving uh, forward, proper direction forward. Yeah. An average day for you for, what was it, 15 years? As a sales engineer? Yeah. 22 well, years. 22 years. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, did you, do you feel now looking back on it that having your head down and doing those types of things, um, do you feel like you sacrifice anything socially inside of the workplace or are you happy with the decision of just, hey man, I'm here, I got to work. This is my time to make money. Yeah, I feel like there's a right way and a wrong way to answer that, but I'll just answer it the honest way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just not a hugely social person. People yeah. wouldn't guess that by me on a, in a sales capacity. Yeah. Um, but my wife and I both, when we go home, we stay home. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not, especially with three kids, like we're just not out and about. And I never really was that person. Yeah. Um, I wasn't, I didn't turn 21 around friends. I turned 21 in this new town. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I always had somebody that I knew to lean on with my wife. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I didn't feel forced to generate this really great camaraderie yeah. with a bunch of folks. And I know that sounds terrible. But I had my core group of, of friends, and this part's going to sound even more terrible, but uh, I was pretty strategic early on as who those friends would be. You have I, to be, man. I chose successful people in yeah. my field because that's who I wanted to surround myself with. That's yeah. who I wanted to learn from. Yeah. Um, and uh, once I've got that group, uh, I just kind of stick with that group. I'm not one that, I'm not the, Yeah. You'll, you'll never see me host a party at my house. Uh, I know. No, I, I get it, man. And, you know, it's one of those things that now you're in management, mm -hmm. you know, and now your your job is to communicate internally. So there's got to be an adjustment period there going from, you know, sales, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. Like, and I don't want to say you're worrying about you. Sure. But dude, you're worrying, like, sure. you know what I'm it's saying? Like, business. Yeah. yeah, like, absolutely. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you, and now your business is you take care of other people and to lift them up and to, to yeah. show them those same successes. Um, yeah. And so I don't regret not having that time, yeah. but I'm really enjoying now yeah. having that, that different dynamic in my life. And look, like all of us, I've changed. Like yeah. my, I've grown up, I've had kids that have grown up. Um, yeah. Like uh, 
I don't know what what made those things change, but I just I feel different about life in general these days. Um, part of it is I'm not chasing a dollar. Like I knew that if I put my my foot to the pedal um, as hard as I could for 20 years, that was my goal. 20 years that after those 20 years, if I just made the decision that I'm done, I want to just kind of not do anything. I could because Sweetwater was a really good vehicle to make that happen. There's no cap. Yeah. Um, you're paid on your efforts, and I was yeah. willing to put the effort in beyond what other people would. That's the ultimate freedom, man, being able to say, I want to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it, and nobody can say anything to you about it. Yeah, yeah. That That is my end goal. <laughs> it's a good goal to have, and that was uh, that was what I had. So I don't have regrets from not having more interaction throughout the day yeah. with those folks. I also didn't feel like I missed it at the time because I was constantly on the phone with clients and these clients were friends. Yeah. So I was constantly talking to friends about the same stuff I would have been talking to the people next to me about anyway. Yeah, 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 so totally. it was all kind of the same thing. Um, and then, you know, as I grew up, like things changed in me. Like I started to want to, I started to appreciate seeing other people grow more. Yeah. Um, when it became less important for myself. Um, but, you know, if I'm being real honest about it, I was very, very focused on myself yeah. and my family for those, you know, 22 years that I did that. And if you weren't, you know what I mean? It's like, would you be happy you weren't? You know what I'm saying? Like the results of that, of not being that focused, you know, that's just a personality trait. Man. That's just how I'm wired yeah. anyway. Yeah. It, that became very clear when I when I was it. it I took longer. It took me 22 years to finally make the, the decision to, to jump into something different. But that was the decision. Do I do I just kind of chill out for the next decade and figure out what might resonate with me? Yeah, yeah. Do I don't even worry about that? Um, yeah. Do I or do I move into something different to yeah to do whatever? Um, and it was very I very quickly came to the conclusion that I I'm just not wired in a way that can unplug from like really actually doing something. Yeah. And none of my hobbies are are that important to me that I can fill all that time, time with, with just it. that. Yeah. I so. Know. Yeah. Um, uh, it became very, very clear that watching, guiding other people towards that same success, I was able to, to achieve there. Now, I know you're into coaching. Yeah. Did coaching bring you to that? Or is that something that you like you came to on your own? Or did that have to be like pulled out of you that yeah. that, that existed in you? You know yeah. what I mean? Uh, I think parenthood brought that out of me in okay. some way. Um, Coaching, as far as Sweetwater coaching goes, mm -hmm. did not because I yeah. had never had a coaching session. I would always refuse to go. <laughs> so, so I, I'm I'm still new to the coaching thing at Sweetwater because it was three sales managers when I was right, there. Right, right. Um, and now there's probably more coaches and sales engineers when I worked there. <laughs> it could be. Um, so yeah, outside of Sweetwater coaching, let's 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 put it exactly on that. Yeah. You know, like third party coaching, like. Uh, you know, Craig, I just spoke to that you referred to me, um, or, or Eric, a, Eric, Eric, excuse me, yeah. excuse me, Eric. Um, like, it, 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 is that what pulled yeah. it out of you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it pulled it out of me, but it yeah. definitely, um, it, it definitely framed up from a ten thousand foot view what I was after for fulfillment. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I've had quite a few of those life coaches over the years. Okay. I don't lean on them often. Yeah. Um, but when I need them, I do, and then I like to change them up. Because yeah. I, I appreciate a different perspective. Yeah. But I really enjoyed um, 
external third-party stuff that had yeah. no idea about Sweetwater. They mm -hmm. had no idea about my profession at all. Yeah. Um, they could just look at me as a person and, mm -hmm. and my, uh, my abilities and my efforts and then help me determine yeah. who I need to be from there. Yeah, they have no idea that who you are in the building or that what were you the number one guy for 15 years i would guess yeah, for then, 17 if you were there. years yeah. yeah like they don't know that yeah you know what i'm saying and it's um it's it's humbling it's good to have that kind of interaction with people it know? is yeah and um and it's also you know when you are in one of those stages where you just want to complain about a thing um it's pretty easy for somebody outside of that whole bubble to yeah. say okay but like you realize that what you're complaining about is like this and yeah. like your world is like this. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's much, in my opinion, it's easier to hear that from somebody that is not associated with the company I'm in. With coaches, do you ever feel, and I'm not saying that I felt this way because Eric will probably see this, <laughs> but did you feel like ever like, um, I'm more successful than this person. Maybe I shouldn't be taking advice from them. Or was that like an ego thing that you had in check right from the beginning? Yeah, I've just I hadn't had that experience with coaches because okay. I never had that experience with uh, people throughout my career. Okay. Um, yeah, it just that that's just not that important to me. Okay. It never really registered as something in the in that 17 year period, right, yeah. where you're the number one guy at Sweetwater, and um, you know you're hitting the phones every day, you're doing your thing. Um, we set goals, you know, yeah. Sweetwater sets goals. Um, in that process, what did you use to guide you on those goals? Was it strictly a monetary thing, like a, a money thing? Was it a time? What, what did you use to kind of quantify your goals? Yeah. Um, the yardstick that I measured myself to almost always, it was, was monetary cash money. Yeah. But it wasn't for that purpose. It wasn't okay. like, I want that money. I want that money. It was, mm -hmm. uh, especially at a certain point where, um, it's just not as impactful to your life anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was really more of just a barometer for me. Like yeah. I knew every day, really, that's the beautiful thing about sales is you, you get instant feedback on yeah. your productivity and your, um, your ability to do the job well. Um, and I used that as my judgment, you know, okay. I figured if that was regularly going mm -hmm. up, then I was doing the right things. Um, I, didn't really have money goals later okay. in my career. Yeah. But uh, I always had the goal of outdoing my previous year. Okay. And and I did for all of those 22 years. I never let that 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 fall away. And if I got close, yeah. then I'd pour it on. Like I'd know exactly where I was with that goal every single day. And if we got close to the end of the year and it was not looking great, then... So you were looking at yearly goals. Yeah. You, weren't, you weren't microcosm... 15 minutes, how many calls did I make? This was, yeah. I want to see where I'm at at the end of the year. Yeah. That, that's yeah, where I'm at. Of, okay. I, yep. Uh, I, I think goals are most powerful when you start with a zoomed out approach and then, yeah. and then narrow in and break, yeah. break them down into small achievable things. And um, I certainly did that in a more resolute way early on okay. um, where I would look, okay, well, this week was, was a little rough. Um, yeah. Next week I got it, but um, in sales, it's, it's, and it depends on your industry, but it's, it's a longer turn than that in a lot of cases. Yeah. Like, and you can't judge yourself in a negative way based on a, even a couple bad months. Some of it's out of your control. Yeah. Some of it's out of your control. And, uh, and if you feel like there are things in your control, yeah. well then there's some inward looking you have to do there yeah. and, and, and determine what you're willing to sacrifice to, to do that. 
Yeah, it's tough because in sales or in business or owning a business, you can still do everything right and you're not going to get the result. And sometimes you just got to power through it. Mm -hmm. You know, like getting through those things are kind of what build you up for that next level. You know, everyone, I think Rob D or Drake, I know uh, Bedros talks about like, you know, that that 2.0 version of you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you, sometimes you have to have those things, you know? I, I think I think in some way you almost you almost always have to have yeah. some kind of struggle. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you from, um, from my position right now, that's, that's a big struggle that we have um, with our team mm-hmm. because uh, since COVID, I know most places didn't um, experience this the same way we did, but yeah. we, uh, our business just blew up yeah. um, for all sorts of reasons. But because of that, um, money came easy. Mm-hmm. And um, and now as we're f- facing down the barrel of potential yeah. recession and yeah. all those things, yeah. that's a hard rhetoric to uh, to really get across to folks yeah. that have never had the struggle. It, it's funny because I was going to go back to 08, 09. Mm-hmm. So I left Sweetwater in 09. Okay. Um, we had our first daughter. It was just time to go. Yeah. But one thing I remember was sitting in that meeting and Chuck saying, you know, we're not going to participate in this recession and all that. And then I forget who the marketing person was at the time. It might have been Mike Ross, but he went up there and basically said, we're doubling our Google AdWords. Yeah, yeah. You know, like we're putting our foot down right now. Like now is the time to gain that market share. And I feel like we're like, I think we're in it right now, but it doesn't feel like we're in it because we're still up from before. I agree with you. You know, yeah. but I think I think we're there. We're there. Yeah. yeah, there's no question. We're seeing it in a different way. We're seeing it in profitability instead of in uh, top line sales numbers. Okay. Uh, because top line sales numbers are because we have so many customers. But yeah, you know, we're dealing with uh, with higher rates of shipping costs. We're dealing yeah. with. Um, just lower margins for manufacturers as they get back on their feet after COVID and all that stuff. So it's, um, we're, we're there. Um, I'll tell you those years. Um, uh, so first when I rolled out, it was like 2001. So when I went from an intern to actually Mm -hmm. be a sales engineer and of course the, the twin towers got hit right around then. Um, and so that was a hit to the economy but I didn't know any different. So I just kept calling and calling and calling and calling. Yeah. Um, what I didn't know at the time, but I learned later, is that I had this big jump that happened right around 2003. It was about 18 months after um, mm-hmm. after uh, the World Trade Centers. And, um, and nobody else did. So I had this big jump up, but other folks hadn't. And um, what I learned eventually uh, was it was because I was just pouring it on when others figured it, there was no point, um, that people weren't buying right it's now anyway. And so 2008, 2009 hits, and mm. now I intentionally do that because, yeah. wait, I've been through this once before. Mm-hmm. Let me see what happens this time. Um, and so we have this housing crisis and everything that went along with that. And I did the same thing. Um, and I, I, when I say I poured it on, I made more calls than I ever made. I spent more time on those calls with customers, which is something you typically can't do both of. Yeah, totally. Um, But it just means I put more hours in. Um, Customers are more willing to talk about personal things during those times. Uh, They weren't talking about gear. And that was a benefit because now I was really learning who they were personally. And they were learning who I was personally, which I think was maybe even more important. Um, And then when the economy comes back and they're back in the market, I don't just get them back, but I get all their friends and all their family. And um, so it happened again in 2008, 2009, Mm -hmm. right after that. And that's when I pulled, really pulled away from the pack after that last recession. Uh, And then if we even fast forward to COVID, 
I did the exact same thing again because I figured uh, this might be the same type of thing. Yeah. We, we just didn't know. Um, and sure enough, 18 ish months after we came back to work, um, I had my best month ever as my last month as a sales engineer. And it was just picking up the same way it always had. And I never throughout that entire time, uh, and I still don't, and I, I don't believe in it. I never felt like I made it, you know, yeah. like I had gotten to a place and, yeah. and I'm there. I was wondering if you ever felt kind of like, all right, maybe I'll take the foot off the gas a little bit now because I'm comfortable. I'm living how I want to live. You know, the kids have what they want. You know, we're going on vacation. We're doing this. In our world, you know, you do well and companies just give you stuff. You didn't even realize there was things on, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, life's easy. So there was never a time where you thought maybe Jason needs to just take a step back and chill out a little bit. Like, no. Um, what about from your wife? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the thing is, is... Uh, I've never met a super successful person that has felt like they've made it Yeah. yet. I haven't talked to Chuck about this. I'll tell you how it came up as well. I remember walking into work one day and I passed his, um, at that point he had a Bentley Continental that he was driving to work <laughs> and a uh, big, beautiful black uh, yeah. car, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I remember like peering in the back of the window and I saw goldfish, like the little cracker goldfish just smashed all throughout the upholstery and, mm -hmm. or, or, you know, whatever. The whole car yeah, was yeah. just trashed. Is when his daughter was a lot younger, and I thought that's how you know you made it yeah. when you just Goldfish don't care about the Bentley <laughs> looking like 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 what my Jeep looks like. Or, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but so I talked to him about that, and he's like, "Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, the, the, there's always something yeah. more to improve upon." And uh, I that didn't make me feel that way, but it made me feel better about the way I always felt because I at first I I thought that this feeling of not have like not being able to feel like I've made it yeah um was a problem with me not being able to practice enoughness um that it was a pr that it was a green problem frankly and I was mm -hmm. I was concerned with that until I realized that it wasn't just money that um that was part of this it was just growth in general okay like I never f I can never know it all no. um I can never feel like um like I'm the best version of me i feel like that guy is still out there someplace nice. um and so that's just kind of how i am my wife feels a little differently yeah because she knows that i'm amazing no it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> no really uh she feels a little bit differently um after seeing how i worked when i went home for covid on covid yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it was she's like wow um that's a lot and you're yeah. getting older and hey we don't need it anymore so maybe mm -hmm. maybe it's time it's so funny so um i had i was handing something out when i first started back there again as a rep and you you were in like a corner of the building, kind of where Wayne's uh, office is now, I think. Yeah. And I was walking around, I was handing something out, something out, and I saw your name tag. And I peer around, and it's you between two empty cubicles working with nothing around you at all. There was nothing. There was no pitch. I don't know if you guys had just got done with cube moves or whatever, you know, but it, no one else was working. You know, it's quiet in there, and you were just hitting it. And, you know, it's it's those things that people don't see. You know what I mean? And it's like... Dude, it's, it's Wednesday. It's 7 o'clock at night. I was up at 4 o'clock in the morning. You were probably up at 4 or 5, too, doing whatever you do. And, um, and we're here. You yeah. know, you just, you, sometimes you just need to go. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, I enjoy it. And I, I still have the, the feeling that I had uh, throughout all my years of being a sales engineer in that yeah. I'm, I've got the energy right now. I've, yeah. I've got the, the drive. And um, 
I'm young enough to do this kind of stuff. I'm not missing out on things with my kids. Yeah. Um, I'm not doing 70, 80, 80 hours anymore like I, yeah. like I once was. I have a little bit more control over those things. But even when I was, like I, I still knew when to carve off those sections. Yeah. Um, it's extremely important to me, but uh, it's not an easy thing to do, yeah. especially as a commissioned salesperson. Uh, I don't believe in balance because okay. I think that balance puts these two things that you care about, your yeah. your work maybe and your family maybe. Yeah. And it, it fundamentally puts them at odds with each other. Puts them in competition with each yeah. other. Yeah. Um, I think it's more of a blend. I think you need to learn what your blend is and, and how they support each other. Um, and I think when you think about it that way, uh, it's just a different mentality. That's insightful because... You know, you can go hardcore, no balance, or you can go ultimate, got to have balance, you know, but I think that that perspective on it, it that's reality. Yeah. I mean, we all have to deal with that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's also, when you look at it from a balance perspective, it's a pretty easy out. Like it's a pretty easy, well, I didn't do this because Yeah. Um, I, I, I really value my balance. Yeah. Well, there's a way to value like your at home time and, and still not fail at the other thing and totally. vice versa. So what's next for you, man? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, at the moment, uh, as my role right now, I'm making decisions and inputting um, ideas into the overall motion of the company, which uh, is super exciting for me. Yeah. You know, I grew up at this place, um, you know, as an adult anyway, and uh, I feel like I've, I've gotten a lot from it. I really, I really have a deep love for the company. Um, and I know it sounds cliche to say I want to give back, um, but I am just truly happy to serve in whatever way they'll let me at this point. And it just so happens that they are letting me. That's awesome. (laughs) So I'm just going to keep going for that. And what that turns into is what it'll turn into. Do you have any plans to do any kind of like mentorship or coaching yourself for people coming up outside of Sweetwater? Like outside of what you do for your day job? Is that something that you're interested in doing? Good question. I've kicked that around early on. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm qualified. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, frankly, I don't know. I don't know if I'd find the time to do that. Um, okay. I'm past the days of a side hustle. Like, that's just not me anymore. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, for the time being, I'm really just truly enjoying what I'm doing. So, I'm not, I'm not really looking. Yeah. Your side hustle is a weird thing because I hear people say that work all the time, you know, doing my side hustle and that. And I just, I don't subscribe to that. I, I feel like you're either doing it or you're not. You know what I mean? Like, even if it is on the side or whatever, right. like this is on the side for me, but... It's just another hustle. Dude, I, I've, I've spent weeks figuring out how I wanted to do lighting in here, moving things around. Like, you know, it, nothing's by mistake. Right. You know what I mean? And um, I think it's that addictive personality. You probably have a little bit of one, too. No question. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Super, super addictive personality, I think, is a, tra- a trait of salespeople that are normally pretty good at what they do. Um, usually because they're trying to pay for what they want to buy, you know, um, and impulsiveness. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, that's actually probably a, a really good point. That is one of those aspects, especially early on, um, that I had to mindfully be aware of yeah. and, and, and help myself with, um, especially when you start making some money, yeah, right? Man. Um, it's very easy to just like, buy that Ferrari, <laughs> right? Dude, you see it all the time, um, man. And then, uh, and then what? And then I couldn't make these types of decisions that I was able to make. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel fulfilled in a different way. Cause I would, I'd now be chasing that payment. It's a good point that, you know, you, you do need to 
you know, hold back a little bit as a salesperson and just... Delay of gratification is a really, yeah. really powerful thing. Yeah. Even if you don't, if there's no uh, financial reason that you should delay, yeah. um, even just forcing yourself to have that kind of restraint on things in life, I think yeah. builds a, a, a pretty strong character. Totally. Absolutely. And stuff is so much better when you wait for it to like that. Sure. You know? Plus, how many things do we get like yeah. that we thought were like, this is it. This is yeah. the thing. <laughs> you and I are both watch guys. Yeah. How many, how many watches were the watch for us? Right? Like, well, you know, I'm on my not buying <laughs> thing. And I, and I bought, I bought this Loray, I think it's pronounced uh, last week. And it's, it's, I just needed to tell time. <laughs> I was like, you just need to tell time. If it has a date, that's good too. You need to know what's going on, you know. And the, it, when I was in the wedding film business, it was like, well, I need to know the day and the date. Yeah. So you know where that goes. Uh, that goes straight to a president. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was the it was like Rocky selling his uh, motorcycle when Paulie, you know, got rid of all his money. Rocky five. First thing to go, man, was the day date to pay my guys. It was the very first thing. David S W. What 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 do you take it for? Well, yeah, and it, and. Know? But even when you got it and you would look down at that, did you feel like that that was the accomplishment that stopped it all for you? Like, okay. No, because it was a 36. <laughs> There's always something. Like, and, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what keeps people like us, um, you know, reaching for those next rungs. Yeah. Um, in a healthy way. Yeah. Because it's very easy to perceive something like that as greed. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Or like selfishness. And, um, you know, by, by you or me or, or whoever it is who want these things, everyone around you benefits from it. You know, um, that drive to get that watch or to get the car or whatever, I benefited from it, but my brother benefited from it. I got him a, I gave him a job. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like my kids benefited from it. They got to go to Disney the way that we wanted to do Disney. Forget about all that. You Your know? kids benefited and so did everybody else around you because they saw an example. Yeah, no, totally um, true. That alone is something. Yeah. I mean, there are, I have mentors in this world that don't, have never met me. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and I'm not ashamed to say that like I, uh, I will try and emulate the things that they do to do the things that I also want to do until I figure out a way to do it on my own. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Jason, I appreciate you coming in. You're the first person to give me the time to do something like this. And, uh, you know, there's probably not going to be a thousand million people that see it, but I think that it's a start to something. And I think it's a start to, you know, maybe a shift in culture for some of the, some of the things that we do around work and getting people more kind of involved in things like this and you yeah. know, talking about it. You know what I mean? I agree. I also think it's important for people to realize that if you're into, if you, if you're growing up and you want to be in the music industry there, think outside the box a little bit. It's not all about yeah. being the guy on stage and it's not yeah. all about being the guy behind the console. Totally. Sometimes it's the guy interfacing with them, selling them all the gear. And, yeah. and a lot of times that pays better. Well, that's always going to pay better. <laughs> One other person I've coming on is my buddy back in New Jersey who helped me out with the wedding film business. He's a DJ. And, uh, and he banks, he makes good money. And, um, I'm going to, when I'm in New Jersey, I'm going to do one of these with him. Perfect. You know, like, dude, how do you get to where you are in the music industry? Yeah. Cause you know, everyone wants to be the rock star, like you're saying, right. But they don't realize like, you know, there's, there's so many other avenues that music can bring you through. Oh, no question. You know, I was at my grandmother's funeral last year and my, um, my cousin built amplifiers. He's built amplifiers for Keith Richards, all these people. And excuse me, he's my second cousin. 
and he's like, you know, Steve, I always thought you would have done something with music after I just showed him a video of me playing guitar for work. Yeah. Like, that's what I do as I play guitars to teach people about them for work. I'm totally cool with it. I don't have to go city to city. Like, you know, I'm getting paid. Like, you know, I love ESP guitars growing up. I have access to them. Yep. You know, so it it is important to think outside of the box of just that. And I think um, I think this helped put put it in perspective. So excellent. Awesome. Thanks, brother, man. Yeah. Anytime. brother. Cool. Thank you.